Hey, this is Tim McGregor, and I'm the pastor of LOH Church. This is our podcast. I want to thank you for joining us today. I hope this inspires you. I hope it builds your faith and gives you perspective to see God working in your life. Enjoy the message. Good morning, everyone. Good morning again, I should say, huh? It's so nice to see everyone of you here today. So nice to have all you who are watching at home on the live stream or wherever you are watching. I know the, the Whartons are out of town, so that takes about half the church out. I'm sure it definitely takes half the kids out downstairs. Yeah. Okay, last week we talked about uh, being formed in the image of God. And this week uh, we're going to talk about what we can do with that image that we're formed in. Uh, We don't always know who somebody is by looking at them. We don't always know who we are by looking at ourselves, really. Uh, I know I was telling telling Roberta back uh, a few years ago when I was uh, in the Marine Corps, I was in training down at Camp Lejeune, North Carolina. And I was on my way home after the training. Uh, I was going to spend four days at home in Oakland, Maryland, Garrett County, Maryland. And I was traveling back. And back then, I know you kids plug in your GPS and you know exactly where to go. (laughs) Back then, we didn't have those fancy gadgets. So we had to rely on maps and atlases. I always kept an atlas in my, in my car. And I was pretty good with it, too. I could get just about anywhere I wanted to go. But uh, I don't know if you know this, but uh, in the back roads of North Carolina, you can make some wrong turns and end up deep in the woods somewhere. And that's what I did this day. And back then, instead of doing recalculate on your GPS, you stopped and asked somebody for directions. So I stopped at this store, got myself a snack and a bottle of pop, and uh, there was two old guys sitting out on the porch of the store. And how many know that if you ask direction from more than one person, you're probably going to get more than one answer on which way to go? Yeah. So uh, I asked them, told them where I needed to go, told them where I wanted to go, and, and after much discussion, about which way to go, they sent me on my way. Well, I'm driving along looking for old man Johnson's red and green barn so I know where to turn on up the road. And I'm going a little slow, not, not that slow, but going a little slower probably on the road than I should have been going. And this big old truck comes flying up behind me and uh, had, had the lights on. It was, it was, pretty, it was pr- jacked up pretty high. And I was in a little Dodge Omni. I don't know if you all remember a little Dodge Omni. It was just a small car. And so this truck comes flying up behind me and uh, came up pretty close. And I'm, I'm trying to look out for the barn and trying to look in the mirror to make sure this guy's not going to hit me. And um, a dog ran out in front of me. So I, I didn't stop, but I tapped the brakes so that I slowed down pretty good. And uh, the guy behind me, the truck behind me, tapped me. So I pulled over, and uh, I got out of my car and walked back. And uh, the driver gets out of this truck, probably about six inches taller than me, maybe 50 pounds heavier, uh, had tattoo, had, a, had, had those bib overalls on with a, with a tank top, had tattoos up and down both, both arms, a hat on, said born to raise, um, 
spit this big old glob of tobacco juice not too far from where I was standing. So I'm thinking, hey, I'm in trouble just with the, just with the driver. This is going to be bad. Well, then her husband gets out of the passenger side. <laughs> And I'm thinking, where am I going to be buried in the woods of North Carolina? <laughs> so this guy gets out, and he just kept getting out. He was that big. He comes around the truck, and he, right away he starts looking at my car. Well, this woman, who I was uh, wondering about, she starts apologizing all over herself. Honey, I am so sorry. I am so sorry. I wasn't paying attention to where I was going. I was trying to fix the radio, and I just got too close. I'm sorry. Well, the husband, he's, he's looking at my car, and he said, I told you to quit phone with that radio and slow down and not get so close. And uh, I had this, this sticker on the back of my car that said, uh, United States Marine Corps. And uh, he says, look, honey, he's a, he's a Marine. And that girl says, oh, honey, you a Marine? Are you a Marine? Well, then they started telling me about their cousin, uh, Hayseed, and he was in the Marine Corps and asked me if I knew him. I didn't know him. But uh, the guy's checking it out, and actually the truck was up so high that it, it hit my car right below where the window was. Just put a little dent in. So I said, no harm, no foul. And uh, the, they, they said, okay. And she actually wrote down her phone number, and I, I probably have it somewhere. It'd be, it'd be neat to actually find out what happened to these two. But uh, she gave me her number, and she said if I ran into any trouble to give them a call. And the guy's the same way. You know, hey, bud, don't, don't worry about it. Now, if you, if you run into any, anywhere you are, if you're even close to home, give me, you know, like I was going to call him from Garrett County, Maryland, to come up from North Carolina and help me out. But this, the, the point of the story is, the, here's these two people, backwoods, North Carolina, that uh, look like they could probably roll me up in a little ball and throw me somewhere. <laughs> And they are just the nicest folks that you would ever want to meet, right? And, and, and that's the same, listen, that's the same with, with who we are in Christ. We may look like something on the outside, but when you get down deep inside to where the Spirit lives, then we can be something totally different to the outside world. I heard a pastor say one time, the, objectin, the objective of our Christian walk is not to become more saved, because you can't become more saved. The objective of our Christian walk is to become more and more like the Savior. The objective isn't salvation, it's maturation after we've come to Christ. Becoming more and more like what God wants us to be, as I talked about last week. Now, when Peter first met Jesus and realized who Jesus was, the first thing he said was, depart from me, for I am a sinful man. And that's the way it should be for all of us to a certain extent. Uh, Peter felt the same way Adam and Eve felt in the garden when they sinned, right? Uh, God came down and they hid from him. And uh, they said, depart from me, God, for I sinned. I'm naked and I realize it now because I ate the fruit, right? And God, he, he, he told them there would be consequences for their actions, he knew that they were going to sin, and he knew that they had sinned. But then he covered their shame with animal skins. And he's been on a mission ever since that time to cover our shame with Jesus. Right? 
Now, the reason we come to, to Jesus in the first place, as I talked about last week, is we're drawn by the Holy Spirit. But secondly, we realize who Jesus is and what he's done for us and who we are and what we need him to do for us. We are far from the righteousness needed to stand before a holy God. Most of us have the feeling down deep inside that if God really knew who we were, he wouldn't want to save us. And the thing of it is, Jesus knows who we truly are, even more so than we do. And what's more, he knows who he truly wants us to be. Um, I talked, uh, talked about incompleteness last week, and um, what I mentioned is what some people call uh, the, uh, the hole inside of us that only God can fill. But I would say that it's more uh, a longing to have um, God take the person that he created us to be, that we've taken into our own hands, and that we've molded into something that's foreign to what he created it to be, and place it back in his hands, and have him remold it into who he originally intended it, intended it to be. Now, from the time we come to Jesus, he sees something in each of us that we can become, not through our own abilities, but through what we surrender to him. The more we surrender to him, the more he can do with us. After we come to Jesus, along the way of, of the molding that he's doing to us, we may ask ourselves, what can I do for him? What can I do with, with the gifts he's given me? Now, it's important to remember that any quality, any godlike quality, or any worthwhile quality really in us is a created quality. It's an imbued quality that he's giving us. So let's, let's turn to a passage about um, what we can do to discern God's will. Romans 12, 2. If you have your Bibles, you can turn. And as I said last week, if you if you want, you can, you can uh, get on the YouVersion app, and our notes are in there also. Romans 12, 2. I'm still hearing pages turning, so I'm going to wait. Yeah? Okay. Romans 12, 2. Now, there's, there's a few verses in the Bible that everybody knows, right? And you, 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 know, you know a handful of them, and this may be one of them. Uh, Do not conform to the patterning of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. Now, before I get to the second part of that verse about testing and approving what God's good, pleasing, and perfect will is, let me show you something really cool here. Now, the, fir the first part of this verse, the word renewing comes from the Greek word anakinosis. Now, I apologize to all the Greek scholars because I'm not a Greek scholar. But I believe that's the way you say it, anachinesis. And the definition of that word is completing a process of renewal achieved by God's power. In other words, God is the one doing the renewal here. God is the one renewing our mind. Now, go back to that word transform, and guess what word is used to get to transformed? The only other time it's used in the New Testament, apart from Matthew and Mark talking about Jesus' transfiguration, and Paul telling the Corinthians that we are being transformed, as I talked about last week, it's that word metamorpho. 
the, the beautiful metamorphosis that Paul told us last, that I talk, to, talked about Paul telling us last week that we are being transformed into, we are to embrace by how God is already renewing our mind. Now, what are we to do with this transforming process that God is taking us through? We are to use it to discern God's will. He's transforming us into the person he originally created us to be, and he's showing us his will and allowing us to discern what that will is. Throughout the process, um, throughout the process of him transforming us, he wants us to know his will. And let me, let me just, let me say something, tell you something about what David says about knowing God's will. In Psalm 25, it says, show me your ways, Lord, teach me your paths. Guide me in your truth and teach me, for you are God, my Savior. My hope in you, is in you all day long. The, under verse, verse 14, the Lord, this is Psalm 25, verses four through five, and this is verse 14. The Lord confides, confides in those who fear him. He makes his covenant known to them. In other words, we can know the will of God. He wants us to know what his will is. And this should be our prayer each day. Show me your ways. What can I do for you as I journey forward, right? But I think we should first realize before we ask what we can do for the church is what the church, what the purpose of the church is. Before I say what can I contribute to the church, what is the real pr purpose of the church? As we talked about last week, we're... we're we're not just here to put on a show, right? Uh, listen to a couple verses about uh, using our gift. Paul, t Paul tells the Romans in Romans 12, just a few verses from where we talked about uh, before about uh, being transformed. He said in Romans 12, starting in verse 6, we ha have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. If your gift is prophesying, then prophesy, prophesy in accordance with your faith. If it is serving, then serve. If it is teaching, then teach. If it is to encourage, then give encouragement. If it is giving, then give generously. If it is to lead, do it diligently. If it is to show mercy, do it cheerfully. And, and David and I were just talking about uh, someone who given encouragement this morning and someone who is, is a very big encourager. Now, Peter, he uses much the same language in his first letter. In 1 Peter uh, chapter 4, starting in verse 10, he says, each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful servants of God's grace in its various forms. If anyone speaks, they should do so as one who speaks the very words of God. If anyone serves, they should do so with the strength God provides, so that in all things God may be praised through Jesus Christ. To him be the glory and the power forever. Amen. Now, I talked last week about God stacking the death deck in our favor. He provided the sacrifice for our sins. He draws us to Jesus to accept that sacrifice. And then he indwells us with his spirit to enable, to aid us along the way to continue our journey of reaching for what he's created us to be. And this is what Peter's talking about when he says, if anyone serves, they should do so with the strength that God provides. Now, Paul, to, Paul talked to the Ephesians, and this is what, this is what I was talking about earlier. Paul uh, tells the Ephesians the reasons for the gift. If you turn to Ephesians 4, Ephesians 4, in verse 11, 
Paul says, so Christ himself gave apostles, gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, the teachers, to equip his people for works of service. What am I going to do? Well, this is what he's talking about here. To equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the uh, Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. What we are doing here is to build the body of Christ up until we all reach unity in the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God. Why? To become mature, attaining the whole measure of Christ. Now think of it. If we were built up in unity and we attained the whole measure of the body of Christ, what could the church do, right? We could change the world. And that's what God wants us to do. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. You'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and to the ends of the earth. God wants to change the world. He wants to use his church to change the world. But the sad thing is, the enemy wants to change the world too. And if we look around today, he's doing a pretty good job of it. We have to decide, are we gonna be used by him or are we gonna be used by God? Now, how can I be used by God? Uh, submit to his leading through the peace of the Holy Spirit that he's placed inside of us. Listen to what Paul uh, talks, uh, says to the Philippians. In Philippians 2, verse 12, Therefore, my dear friends, as you have always obeyed, not only in my presence, but now much more in my absence, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Listen to this. For it is God who works in you to will and to do in order to fulfill his good purpose. If we surrender to his leading, he will not only put in us the will to do his will, but he will allow us to do it also. Listen, the Greek word used for to will here is thalo. Again, I apologize to the Greek scholars out there. I, I'm, I'm, I'm like Tim, Pastor Tim. I like to nerd out every so often, but the thing of it is, he's a much bigger nerd than I am, okay? <laughs> so, so forgive me, Greek scholars, for, for mispronunciation, but uh, the Greek word here for to will is thalo, which your lexicon will tell you is commonly used in the Bible to say the Lord is extending his best offer to the believer, wanting or desiring to birth his persuasion to them, which also empowers or manifests his presence. In other words, he is allowing us to want what he wants, okay? And the word to do, and again, I'm going to really butcher this one, I think, is energio, okay? And that's where our English word energy comes from, all right? And it means to put forth power to work for one to, or to aid one. So what Paul's saying is God puts in us the desire that he, that he has, his desire, he puts in us to be our desire, and then he gives us the, the energy to carry out that desire, right? So he's, he stacked the deck so much in our favor. And, and as Paul already told the Philippians in, in Philippians 1, verse 6, he says, being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. If we make ourselves available, he will, care, he will put in us 
what we are to do, and he will carry it on to completion as long as we are relying on him. Now, I know that I know that some of you <clears throat> sitting here today are going through trials, and I know some of them are quite uh, heavy on you. And I know that some of you are just saying, I'd like to just get through what I'm going through before I decide what I can do for Christ or for the church. Sometimes the, the maturation process can take us into the desert. The first thing the Spirit did when it came on Jesus was lead him into the desert to be tempted by Satan. And that was for his teaching and for our teaching also. Charles Stanley once said, if you're going through a desert time, the first thing you should ask yourself is, what can I learn from this? That trial may be part of the, of the uh, ultimate gifting that uh, God is giving you. That trial may be the point or the issue of, of encouragement that you are being given that you can hand to somebody else. Listen to what, listen to what Paul said uh, to the Corinthians in 2 Corinthians chapter 1. In verse 3, he said, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in our troubles so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we receive ourselves from God. We ourselves receive from God. So I, I don't mean to pass over this quickly because I know some, some trials can be quite heavy on us, but... Um, we always have to remember that God is in control of every situation. And um, a lot of people say, well, Jesus did say, uh, in this world you will have troubles. But the, but the reason he said that, though, he had, he had been talking to his disciples about things that were going to occur. And then he said uh, that um, after the troubles, he said, I've told you this so that you will have peace, Right? And then he goes on to say, in this world you will have troubles, but be of good cheer, for I have overcome the world. That sometimes doesn't feel as, uh, as present as it should, but we should always lean on verses like that and on Jesus to take us through whatever trial we're going through, okay? Now, I've got to get back to the theme that we're talking about today. We have a program here called Growth Track, and it's, it's run just wonderfully by uh, Dustin, uh, Wharton, and if, if you've been through the growth track program, you know that it's, it's just a great thing. Um, he, uh, it's, it's helpful because uh, it, it, takes, it shows us characteristics that we have that we can use to lead us to an area that we might be able to serve in. And uh, um, that's, I'm not going to get into the growth track program too much today because that's something that uh, as the time gets closer, we're going to have another session hopefully in the fall, and as the time gets closer for that, we'll be talking about that more, okay? But aside from the growth track program, there are four things, listen, there, there, are things, there are things, other things other than just serving the church that you may feel you're called to do, and, and we can apply that to anything uh, play what we're talking about today to anything that God has placed in your heart, okay? So there's four things that we need to ask ourselves when we're working on surrendering ourselves to God's will and trying to decide what he wants us to do for him. Uh, the first thing is, 
that is. The first thing is, what gift is in my heart? What do I feel God has specifically called me to do, okay? This can, this can sometimes, for some people, feel like a lifelong pursuit. What does God call me to do, right? But I truly believe if we surrender to him, he will pull or sometimes push us in a certain direction, okay? So when we feel that spurring, then we know that God has put something on our heart that we're to pursue and we need to go after it, all right? The second thing is, do others see it in me? And this can be leadership, friends or family, uh, or God may bring someone into your life that says, that, that says they heard or saw you say or do something uh, that they think that you might pursue. Now this one, I would caution you a little bit on that one, okay? Uh, you need to be careful because uh, there's always going to be somebody coming up to you and say, hey, I think you should be doing this or I think you should be doing that. And if, some, if God brings, or if uh, someone comes up to you that's not in your immediate circle of family or friends or even leadership, then you probably should take whatever they give you to your immediate circle of, of people and uh, ask them about it. And I would prayerfully consider before making any moves on that specific one. Is it beneficial to the church? In other words, does it build up the body or aid in the outreach of the church? Uh, we're to build each other up until we all reach unity, not work as individuals until we reach separation. The last one is, has God opened a door? Now, we encourage everyone to pursue the things God's placed on their hearts, right? That doesn't necessarily mean that leadership is going to uh, say, okay, yeah, I think that you should do that. Now, I'm not just talking about uh, finding your niche in the ministries that we already have established in the church. I'm talking like if you come up with something that you feel God is leading you to do as another ministry. Um, if you bring it to leadership and we say, well, you know, we don't feel that that's for the church right now, that doesn't necessarily mean that it's not something that you could do. It may be something that uh, you're to pursue in another avenue, right? And I'm not talking about, well, okay, if you don't want me to do it, I'm going to take my ball and go form another church somewhere. I'm talking about if you can, we, we can still aid you or maybe uh, encourage you along the way to go and do something outside of the church. You're still helping out. You're still doing something for God. Now, when we're trying to discern the word, word of God, uh, the will of God, I'm sorry, uh, about what we should be doing, there are two things that we should focus on. We should focus on prayer and the study of God's word. Now, first, uh, in Thessalonians, Paul says that you should pray without ceasing. Now, what does this attitude of prayer, what does this fellowship of God do? Well, we get back to some verses that you probably know, and this is one of them. In Proverbs 3, Proverbs 3, starting in verse 5, we're told, Solomon says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart, and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways submit to him, and he will make your path straight. He will make your path straight if you submit to him. He goes on to say in Proverbs 16, Commit to the Lord whatever you do, and he will establish your plans. The Lord works out everything to his proper end, even the wicked for the day of disaster. Let's put that verse aside right there. But commit to the Lord whatever you do, and he will establish your plans, okay? Even if he puts a roadblock in your front of you, it may be because he wants you to go somewhere else, okay? He may, he may want, or not go somewhere else, do something else. 
Uh, some people are so busy, so, trying so hard to get over a roadblock that may be in their way that they don't realize that he may be taking them in a different direction. And I love what Roberta says, and this probably should be on a slide up there. God will take us to where he wants us the easiest way we will allow him. Okay? That's, that's very... That's very profound, if you ask me, because sometimes we're so busy trying to get done what we think we should get done that we look around when we're finally to the point we should be and see that there was a much easier path we could have taken if we would have just relied on God more and not on our own power. Now listen, back to Paul in the Philippians. Listen to what he says uh, in, to the Philippians. In, uh, and this is talking, I'm, I'm talking about prayer here. This is uh, Philippians 4, starting in verse 6. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And listen to this. The peace of God, which, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. If you submit it to God, then the peace of God will take you to where you need to go, okay? Now, let's look at something that Isaiah said about reaching out to the Lord way back in the Old Testament times. He's talking to the people of Israel and he's, and, he's, and he's telling them that they need to come back to God, right? He says, people of Zion who live in Jerusalem, you will weep no more. How gracious he will be when you cry for help. As soon as he hears you, he will answer you. In verse 21, whether you turn to the right or to the left, your ears will hear a voice behind you saying, this is the way, walk in it. This is the way, walk in it, if you turn to God. This is how Jesus puts it. In John, 6, in John 10, he says, the gatekeeper opens the gate for him and the sheep listen to his voice. He's talking to the Pharisees here. Hear his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. Now, I put another verse Yep, I put another verse up there with this because Jesus is talking to the Pharisees and he, he knows that the Pharisees know what Jeremiah said. Jeremiah said, Lord, I know what, that people's lives are not their own. It is not for them to direct their steps. And that's exactly what I'm talking about. We are to rely on, on uh, God. We are to pray without ceasing in everything we do and rely on him to direct our steps. So... <clears throat> Let's go to the second thing that uh, we can do to discern God's will. The second thing is Bible study. Now, let's be clear here. I'm, I believe in consistent Bible reading. I think it's great to read the Bible through in a year, and I think it's great to have a certain set of verses that you want to, uh, to uh, read each day. Because this puts scripture in our head, and as the old saying goes, garbage in, garbage out, but good in, good out too, right? So, um, I believe that every person who desires to walk with God, they need to have that merry moment. They need to sit at the feet of Jesus and listen to what he says, right? And that's the, that's the kind of Bible study I'm talking about. Now, there's always going to be Marthas that tell you that you need to be doing something else, right? But if you're consistent and you stay with it and you study and you uh, listen to the word of God, he's going to say you have found a better way and it will not be taken away from you. Now, the reason I talk about uh, consistent or reading the Bible through a year or taking 
having a, um, a certain set of passages that you need to read each day is because, as soon as I get my notes here, because um, many times we're so focused on Bible reading, right, that uh, we just need to get through what we're getting, what we need to read this day and get on with the rest of the day. If we're reading Psalm 23, it might be, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not wander. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me to pass the righteousness for his name's sake. The walk through a valley of shadow, death, I fear no evil for thou with me. The rod and the staff that cover me, you prepare a table for me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint me with oil. My cup runs over. Surely goodness shall follow me all the days while the house will affair. Hey, I'm done. <laughs> Time to get on. Now, the problem is, when you're just reading through, trying to get past those verses, you may skip over something important. Like you may, what I just recited, if you could understand it, you may have missed verse three. That says, he restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. The Bible study I'm talking about I was, I was talking to, uh, to Greg uh, the, the week before last. We were parking cars. and I was talking to him about uh, this, uh, the guy that was uh, teaching me the guitar years ago, years ago. Uh, he talked to me about something called woodshedding. Now, I don't know if you, if you younger guys do this. Where's, where's Daniel? You guys do that nowadays, talk about woodshedding. What he was talking about was the old-time guitar players like Dylan or Clapton, uh, those, those, kind of, those guys, uh, getting alone with their guitar and just playing. It might be in a room somewhere. It might be in another, you know, a building out in the woods somewhere. But just getting alone with their guitar and just playing and playing and playing over and over and over until it just becomes second nature to you, until it just flows, right? Now... Uh, that's what I'm talking about when I'm talking about the Bible study. Getting alone with God, just your Bible, just prayer, just the scriptures. Allowing God to speak through his word, allowing the Holy Spirit to make the scripture come alive. Let's look at something in Psalm, uh, in Psalm 119, verse 130. It says, the unfolding of your word gives light. It gives understanding to the simple. Now, the word used for unfolding here comes from the Hebrew word pethah. Now, I didn't feel comfortable just offending Greek scholars, so here I'm going to offend Hebrew scholars too, okay? <laughs> and Troy, I don't know, you, maybe you can tell me if this is right. Pethah. That is uh, the word used here. And what it means, is, it's translated in other versions, entrance or opening. And what it means is allowing the word to come into your heart and to change you profoundly. That sounds more than uh, just like uh, reading the Bible through, right? Hebrews says this about the Word of God. For the Word of God is alive and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. And you cannot get that by just skimming over the Bible, right? And um, 
Paul told, Paul told Timothy in 2 Timothy, all scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. You wonder what you're going to do with them? Turn to the word of God. He will equip you through his word. He will judge the thoughts and attitudes of your heart and equip you for every good work. Now, let's, let's always remember what Paul told the Ephesians. In Ephesians 2, verse 10, he said, For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to, go, to do good works, to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. What we talked about last week, he created us in him, his image so that we could present his image to the world. This, the picture we drew with our, with, like the little girl, the picture we drew with our lives is how the world would see God. And when he created us in his image, he prepared good works for us to do in advance. From the very beginning, he knew what we were going to be, he knew what we were going to do, and he has given us his will to do it and his power to do it. Now, When I was younger, there was a movie that came out. Oops, sorry. There was a movie that came out. I think it came out in like 81 when I was a younger man. And uh, it was called Chariots of Fire. Anybody know that, that movie, Chariots of Fire? Yeah? Listen, if you have not seen it, you need to see it. It's, uh, what, it, it what it is, it's a movie. It follows the uh, 1924 uh, United Kingdom Olympic team. And in particular, two men, a man named uh, Harold Abrams, played beautifully by, by Ben Cross, wonderfully. Uh, and uh, a man named Eric Little, who was played just as wonderfully, if not more so, by Ian Charlson. And Eric, or, uh, um, Harold Abrams is a young, young Jewish man and he's trying to be the best runner he can be through his own training, through his own desires. He's wanting to get there and work for what he wants to be. Eric Little, who, who, was a, who, was, uh, who did train, was a man who felt God's calling on his life and felt that it was God who pushed him in all that he did to be the best he could be. Kind of sounds familiar a little bit, doesn't it? Well, uh, there's this same... And uh, Eric Little, and listen, in the, what I'm going to quote to you here, there's no actual evidence that Eric Little himself ever said this. It was probably just the writer who wrote this. But if you read about Eric Little, if you read up on him, I'm sure that you would feel like I felt that uh, he would agree with this statement. He's walking with his sister, right? Now, Eric was Scottish, but he was, he was born actually in China to uh, missionary parents. And um, his, his parents were missionaries from Scotland to China. And he also felt the calling in his life, and he actually did return and was a, was a, uh, a missionary in China. But he's walking along with his sister, and she doesn't like this running business. She doesn't like it one bit. She thinks he should give that up and just focus on his missionary work, focus on what he can do for God. Now, Eric stops, and he... Uh, he says to her, I believe God made me for a purpose, for China, but he also made me fast. And when I run, I feel his pleasure. And that, 
I tell you, I, now, I, know you, I know you're looking at me and saying, yeah, that guy's a runner, right? But back in the day, I was a runner. I, w I, I ran like 10, 15 miles a day. I ran all the, all the time, uh, up, up through uh, my Marine Corps days and even, even a few years after that. So for that reason a little bit, it caught my, my heart. But then later on in my life, when I finally was done with my fooling around and got back to uh, where God wanted me to be, it got into me that anything you do for God, anything that God has put in your heart, has stirred you to pursue, you should do it. And when you do it, you should feel his pleasure. Yeah. That's, that, that to me, that, just, that line is one of, one of the, the best lines that I've ever heard. Now, Sadly, Eric, Eric Little died in China, in, uh, in Japanese-occupied China in 1945 um, as a missionary there. But Eric Little was inspired to be a missionary by a man who was uh, born the previous century named Hudson Taylor. Some of you, I don't know how many, do, does anybody here know who Hudson Taylor is? Okay, way to go, Katie. Uh, I would encourage you to look up Hudson Taylor and read about this man. He was a missionary to China for 54 years. He was a humble man, and he, he was just, he was one of the, one of the all-time, and, and this, was, this was the late, uh, mid to late 1800s that he served in China. He was one of the all-time great inspirations for so many missionaries after him, for so many evangelists. There's, if you look him up, you, there, there are names that uh, you can read that uh, were inspired by Hudson Taylor. There's one guy, uh, you might know him, his name was um, Billy Graham. Yeah, he was inspired by Hudson Taylor. And um, while I was uh, working on this message this past week, a, a memory came up in my, in my Facebook. Uh, have you ever had those? They come up and tell you, you know, you have a memory to look at. Well, this was a quote that I had put on my Facebook page 10 years ago. Of all times, this comes up this past week as I'm preparing this message. Now, is it up there? Yeah. Listen to this. Many, and I, this confirmed to me that probably this was the message I should, should present this day. Many Christians estimate difficulties in the light of their own resources. And he did have difficulties. If you read through some of the things that he went through, his wife died, his daughter died of meningitis. But uh, many Christians estimate difficulties in the light of their own resources and thus attempt little and often fail in the little they attempt. Uh, all God's giants have been weak men who did great things for God because they reckoned on his power and his presence being with them. Isn't that, that's just, that's what I've been talking about. And here's a guy from, that was born in 1832, I think, confirming that this is the message I should preach today. Band, you could come on up. Now, The great giants of Christian history throughout the Bible and throughout uh, um, the inception of Christianity to today have not been men necessarily that you would think, yeah, that's the guy, if you saw him growing up or the, if you saw him in their younger lives, that's the guy that I would like to follow. 
But one thing they all had in common was when they felt the calling on their lives that God had placed there, they turned to him and they walked in his will and his way, not their own ways. Now, I'm going to leave you with a verse here. Hebrews 13. Hebrews 13, verse 21. Now, may the God of peace, who through the blood of the eternal covenant brought back from the dead our Lord Jesus, that great shepherd of the sheep, equip you with everything good for doing his will. And may he work in us what is pleasing to him. And when he does work in you what is pleasing to him, I pray that you'll feel his pleasure. Through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. God is going to do something great through each and every one of you. I know it. The Bible tells me so. And I pray, as I said, when he does do it, that you will feel his pleasure because he loves you so much and he wants the best for each and every one of you. Now these, these altars are going to be open as the band plays this out. And I'm going to do something here. Uh, Roberta, Sandra, would you come up here? Um, when I was talking earlier about some trials that people were going through, Sandra's one of those. And I would like Roberta and, and any of you other women who, women who would like to, to just, um, just gather around her. Listen, when I was talking about family last week, one of the greatest resources that God has given us is the resource of community, of the Christian community. When we are going through something, we know that we do not have to go through it alone because God is not only with us, but he has placed others in our lives, in this church, who can be with us also. So don't just, don't just take your problems to God. Take them to the people of God too and let them help carry your burden with you.